Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein. Welcome back to All That Matters. And if this is your first time at the podcast, we uh, we greet you. We're so excited to have you here uh, as we continue to uh, add listeners around the world. And uh, terribly exciting as we move into the autumn here in the United States and wherever you are, there's just something so spectacular about leaves changing, seasons coming and going. And if you're in a place where you don't see the seasons like I do in my native Vermont, and uh, that's why I always so happy to go back to New England at this time of year, but wherever you are in the world, there is change afoot. And hopefully we are finding more healing and with more healing, more hope. There was a time when hope was hard to come by. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about hearing about that firsthand. Years ago when I was uh, preparing for my second book, which was a book of nonfiction. My first two are books of nonfiction. My next three and the current two that I'm working on are all novels. And again, you can find all of this at jangoldstein.com. And I thank you for checking the books out there. Uh, thank you for, uh, you can also find the podcast there in addition to Apple or Spotify or Audible or wherever you find your podcast. And I hope you'll tell others about it. But when I was getting ready for my second book, um, Sacred Wounds, um, I had uh, signed a contract with Harper Collins, and um, I had outlined the book. And one of the interviews I wanted to do for the book, I particularly wanted to look at people who had gone through difficult times, painful times, perhaps even tragic times, and come out of it... Uh, with lessons and with strength that allowed them to succeed. So the subtitle of the book, Sacred Wounds, is Succeeding Because of Life's Pain. And it had occurred to me because I had gone through a divorce and um, and yet out of the pain of that and, and my father passing away just roughly within two weeks of all that happening, uh, I emerged with new lessons, uh, a discovering of strength within me, uh, the ability to become a parent who could raise three kids as the primary parent and, um, and find a way to nurture myself. And I certainly didn't do it perfectly. And this, there is nothing here but gratitude for having been married and brought these three wonderful children into the world together. And um, we were very young. And I, I was able to find what, I, what my mother-in-law later described to me as a sacred wound. Uh, because out of that wound came something very sacred. And I went around to, to interview different people about that. And... I found my, my way by, by way of my wife, uh, Bonnie, 
who had a connection with someone who had a connection that we ended up in Vienna interviewing Simon Wiesenthal. And I had to go through all kinds of hoops. He was quite a bit older. He was in his 90s at this point. And he had, of course, uh, had an incredible life. And there have been all kinds of issues around Simon Wiesenthal um, in terms of how many Nazis did he find or how many did he uncover. Um, I think it was extraordinary um, that he that he spent so much of his life in that pursuit. Um, and when we were ushered into his office by his caretaker, he sat behind his desk uh, and I sat opposite him and I turned on the recording and, and explained to him what I was looking for. And I, I basically asked him, uh, Mr. Wiesenthal, why, why did you do what you did? And he explained to me that all his life, all he wanted to do growing up was to be an architect. All he wanted was to design and to create. But then the Holocaust happened. And he lost dozens and dozens of members of his family. And when he emerged from the Shoah, from the Holocaust, he told me, he wanted to return to his studies and become this architect, but he felt someone tapping on his shoulder, metaphorically tapping on his shoulder. And he looked over his shoulder, and I remember this older man in his 90s looking over his shoulder, showing me this. And they said, so, Simon, what about me? What are you going to do about me? And one after the other, relatives of his, or as he would say, the ghosts of the relatives who had perished, tapped on his shoulder and said, what about me? What are you going to do about me? And he said, that taught me, I, I, I could not let up. I had to find and go in pursuit of those who had murdered so many in the world and that began his pursuit to uncover nazis who had fled who were finding life in other countries um including the united states and that he did it he said not in pursuit of revenge but in pursuit of justice just the look in his eyes when I said, why did, what, what, you had just been through the worst thing that humanity could ever face. What led you to this direction? He said, it was the tap on the shoulder. No, Simon, what about me? What are you going to do about me? And each one of those voices, he said, he needed to respond and he could not pursue his life as an architect when he knew he had to seek justice and justice for those who had been murdered during the Shoah, the Holocaust, was to find those who had perpetrated this crime and bring them to court. 
bring them to stand and bear responsibility for what they had done. And during the course of this interview that I was having with him, um, I could see he kept looking over to his right and sitting over to his right was my wife, Bonnie, holding our, at that time, little baby, Shira. And he kept looking at that baby and a little smile would dance at the corners of his mouth and then he would look back at me and get more serious. But the more questions I asked, all that were a, a tremendously painful, um, at the same time taught me from his point of view that what he had gone through, the wounds of the Holocaust, had given him both the strength and determination to become a Nazi hunter, to pursue justice, and in doing so, inspiring others to pursue justice. Wiesenthal spent those decades of his life in pursuit of Nazis. He failed many times, and he succeeded. But he injected into the discussion in the world that these people, these criminals, needed to stand in court and face their accusers and face justice. There were others, of course, who did so much in this area. Uh, Bate Clarsfeld, others. But this moment with this elderly man who did not pursue his dream, but rather pursued a passion to answer the needs of those who had gone before him. A passion and... Uh, an inherent drive to see justice done. I could see as we came to the end of our interview that all he wanted was to look at my child. A man at the end of his life wanted to look at another human being at the beginning of hers a man who had lost countless relatives and friends who had seen death up close wanted to hold life in his hands. And to me, it was such a metaphor for how life can be so fragile and yet we yearn for human connection. And so... I could see with his eyes what he wanted to ask, and I said, yes, you can hold her, of course. And my wife put our daughter in his arms, and there was this Nazi hunter sitting in his documentation center in Vienna, holding this little baby from a whole nother world, and the delight in his face taught me a great deal about tenderness and resilience and the beauty of connection.
He died shortly after that interview. And his memory goes on and his name is on certain buildings and centers in the world, including one here in Los Angeles. But what I remember is despite all the darkness and the tragedy and the pursuit of justice, the simple touch of a baby for an elderly man who had given up dreams to pursue the act of justice in the world brought tears, brought hope, brought a smile. Each and every one of us is capable of pursuing a kind of justice in our life, of standing up when things are wrong, of telling people the truth, and also of recognizing that I think, as Wiesenthal recognized at one point, if people around you are holding you back from pursuing what you must pursue, from growing as you must grow, you have to say so. You have to free yourself and pursue what you must. The poet David White says, you must learn one thing. The world was made to be free in. Give up all the other worlds except the one to which you belong. Sometimes it takes darkness and the sweet confinement of your aloneness to learn anything or anyone that does not bring you alive is too small for you. Anything or anyone that does not bring you alive is too small for you. Can you see that? Can you feel that? In the coming week, I hope, that you will free yourself, that you will find that pursuit that means so much to you that you must go after it. And at the same time, that you will know what brings you alive and what does not. The touch of my little daughter brought a man who had faced the worst evil humanity had ever seen. Nazi Germany, the Holocaust, the crematoria, and brought life to him, brought hope. His pursuit of justice is an inspiration. His humanity in holding that little girl, well, that was everything. Here's to human connection. Here's to dreams. And here's to that which brings us alive. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein. And this is all that matters.